This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Thanks, blessing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's okay. Go ahead and clap it out there. I love, though, the blessing was getting a round of applause, right? It's like, all right, here we go. Shoot. We all right? We good? Okay. All right. Okay, then. We're going to take that. It's good to see you. Met some new faces today. I love that. Um, and just to give you some, some context, right, we, we sing this song, Jesus is Better. And what I know to be true is that for however many people are in here, um, there, there's probably varying degrees of belief in that, as Stephen was saying, right? Like, like some of us were like, man, I, I believe it. Jesus is better. And, and for others, we're like, I don't know. I, I don't even know what I believe about Jesus, much less if I believe he's, he's better than A, B, and C. And, and tomorrow, honestly, may look different than today and the next, next week different than tomorrow because we've talked about this many times, right? Like growth is never just straight up and to the right, right, in our faith, but also in life. It's typically this like looping circle, where at times you're like, oh boy, I'm going, I'm going out of control, I'm going down, I'm going down, but then you, you, you come back out and you're, you know, so we look back over six months, I'm like, have I grown in that window? Sure, yeah, there's been some ups and downs, but overall, I've gr- that's growth, right? That's growth, and we're gonna find ourselves in different places at different times, and you know, I just, I, I say that because I just wanna encourage you, right? One of our, our values is that there is always an open seat at the table here. Right, there's always an open seat at the table. And what that means, right, when you read the story of Jesus, you see him eating with a lot of different people, right? And eating at a table was a, a gesture of friendship, right? You, you, when you're eating at a table, right, you, you're, not, you're not on guard. You're not thinking, man, I might have to defend myself or, or I can't trust. Like you're, you're fellowshipping together. And, and for the religious, the Pharisees, right, they only ate with other people like them. But Jesus, man, you got him eating with the religious. You got him eating with the non-religious. You got him eating with the believing. You got him eating with the non-believing. You got him eating with the moral. You got him eating with the sinners. You got him eating with the healthy. You got him eating with the sick, right? There was always an open seat at the table with Jesus. For anyone and everyone who wanted to come and to listen and to learn and to explore Right? There, there was an open seat. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? Like he's not going to compromise on what is true, but his grace casts a wide net of invitation. Everyone is invited to come and to sit and to learn and to listen and to seek the truth of who Jesus is. And so wherever you come from today, just want you to know you're welcome and invited here. Like, I love that you are here. I, my hope and dream is that we don't all look the same and talk the same and we're not all at the same place. Like, how boring is that? Right? Like, I hope that we'll be in different places because honestly, I need people in different places so that I can continue to grow. If everybody's like me, man, I'm just going to stall out. So I hope there's people that are ahead of me and there's people that are behind me and, and all the way around. And so just know, like, you are genuinely wanted and welcomed here. And we don't all have to believe the same thing at the same time. And we're all, like, we are holding tight to Jesus is the truth. We're not going to budge on that. But we're all going to get there at different points of time and in different paths and different directions and different angles because Jesus himself was the perfect blend of truth and grace. Right? He held tight to truth, and that's what we want to do. We want to go to the scripture and hold tight to truth. But man, we want to be gracious to where people are in that journey. Because gosh, I hope people are gracious with me. 
So just, I, just want, I just want to say that, especially as there's new faces here, like that genuinely is our heart. We genuinely believe Jesus is better. But man, some days, I'm going to struggle to believe that. And that's okay. I'm going to keep moving. And so, for some, that you don't believe that. That's okay right now. Our hope is that we don't stay there, but come on. Come sit at the table. Come sit with us. Come learn. Come listen. Let's see who Jesus is together. So, 1 John chapter 4, right? John goes back into a discussion on, on love. This is the third time in a five-chapter letter that John is talking about love, the, the Greek word agape. And the Greek word agape, love, is not a feeling, right? Like, and if you've been in any type of committed relationship for longer than, I don't know, two weeks, um, like you know that, that the feeling of love, the feeling of what we, you know, society wants to call love, man, it comes and goes. It, it ebbs and flows, right? But there's moments where, gosh, I really feel loved. And there's other moments where you're like, I don't even think I like this person right now, but I'm going to choose love anyways, right? The Greek word agape, love, is the intentional posture, right? It's the intentional, like, directing of one's life to think and do what is good, kind, and best for another, right? Love is to intentionally choose, right? I can choose in this moment if I'm going to love you or not. I can't control what you're going to do. You can't control what anyone else is going to do, but you and I sure, darn sure can control, I was trying to figure out what words are going there, what, what, I'm, what you are going to do, ourselves. I can choose if I am going to love another person or not. Love, agape, is the intentional choice, right? We see it in Deuteronomy 7, where God's speaking to Israel, and he's like, hey, Israel, don't get a big head. Don't think I chose to love you because you're all fancy and you know, you're big and mighty and stuff. You're actually small and weak and kind of puny. I chose to set my affections on you. That's the love that God has for us. He chose to love us knowing that we would be sinful. And yet he said, no, 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 I'm going to give love anyways. Love is the intentional choice, the posture to think what is best and kind and good of another and to do what is kind and good and best of another. And John is back on that topic again in chapter four. He says, beloved, let us love one another. If you have trusted Christ today, that command is not an option. Like we don't get to, to run into some difficult people and just be like, ah, you know, they're difficult or they've wronged me and, and, and put aside that command. If we've trusted Christ, we've surrendered our life to him. He is our king. You don't get the kingdom minus the king. He is our king and he tells us to love one another, to make that choice and we continually grow in that. And the more we choose love, the more it becomes the, the MO of our lives. It's how we think, it's how we operate. But John tells us, let us love one another. But love is not meant just to be received. Love is meant to be given. The love of God was, was not just given to us for us to receive and feel great, but it was also meant to be received and then sent back out and given it to one another. That's the only way that the love of God is complete is if we receive it and then we give it back out so that the whole world can know who God is. 
I went to the Spurs game probably a month ago or so, where they broke the record for the single greatest attendance um, in NBA history, and they lost by like 40, um, but they won the attendance record. Um, and, and so we were sitting like on the end kind of corner area, and, and the people like right in front of us wanted to start the wave. Y'all know what the wave is, right? Anybody not know what the wave is? What, what's, the, what's the, you don't know what the wave is, Rob? Okay, let's, let's do it here. Let's do, I'm just kidding, we don't need to do the wave. All right. What's the purpose of the wave though, right? It's to, and, and to make it all the way around, right? Right, it starts here, and it goes all the way around. Well, for us, they would start it, and they were working hard. Like, they were, they were putting some effort into it, and, and it would go until, like, mid-court, and the mid-court people were, like, locked into the game, and so they never saw it coming, and it just always died. Like, it never, but, but that's not the purpose of the wave, Right? The wave is that, you know, it's going to start here and it's going to make it all the way back around. And then guess what? Here it is again, you know, and then you keep going, right? We all know. So an incomplete wave, no, that's not the purpose. Later in the game, right, some people in mid-court started it. You know, you got to be in mid-court, center court to start things like the wave. Um, and, and it made it all the way around. It completed its, its purpose. It was, it was completed. So, so God's love is the same way. Right, God's love, he starts this wave of love and he gives it to us. But it's incomplete if we receive it, if the wave gets to us, but then it doesn't move on around outside of us, right? It's an incomplete wave. It's version one where the wave stopped mid-court. Incomplete. Like, good try, but no. God's love is not meant to come to us for us to receive and then to not send it back out. John would actually tell us we don't actually know God's love if that's what's happening. If we've received God's love but we're not giving it back out, then, then we're, we're talking about something different because the love of God is meant to be received. We're, we're created to be in a loving relationship with him and then to give that love to the world around us. And that is how the world knows God. Right? John tells us, let us love one another. And then in verse 12, he makes this statement, no one has ever seen God. Like, it's kind of an odd statement, I feel like. Like, it, it almost feels counterproductive. Like, okay, John, why are we talking about that? Isn't our goal to, like, know God? Psalm 34 says, taste and see that he is good. And now you're saying, like, no one has ever seen God. And that's a reality that, best I know, none of us have ever seen God in his fullness. Moses asked once, he's like, hey, God, show me your glory. And God was like, dude, you can't handle it. Like, if you see my glory in its fullness, you will not come out the other side. Like, that's going to end real bad for you, dude. And so no one has ever seen God in his fullness. And yet our hope here is that, man, we will see God. We will, we will know God. So, so that's how, that seems like a problem, right? If our hope is that all of Austin will see and know God personally, and John's like, hey, no one's ever seen God ever. Okay, what do we do with that? But John says, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. John says no one has ever seen God, but if you and I give the love of God that is in us 
to others, then his love is complete and the world around us can see and know God. If you and I love one another, then the love of God is abiding in us, is dwelling in us, and when we give that out, his love is complete, his perfect, and that is how the world knows God. This is exactly what John heard Jesus say in John chapter 13, right? This letter, so much of what we read is just, just John like giving back what he heard Jesus say a few years earlier. In John 13 and verse 34, Jesus himself says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Sounds familiar, yeah? A new commandment I give you, love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, by what? By our loving one another, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. All people will, will experience God for themselves when we give the love of God that is abiding in us. The, the word abide, it means to remain or be connected to, right? If I, if I invite you to my humble abode, right? What am I doing? I'm inviting you to my home, right? So if I'm abiding in my abode, I'm making a home in my home, right? So to abide in God, for God to abide in us is for God to make his home in us, for us to make our home with him. We're connected. Like we're, we're, we're united to, together, in, in John chapter 15, right, Jesus tells us to, that, that, that God is the, the vine and we are the branches. And we are to abide into him like a branch abides, is connected into the vine. And then and only then when we're connected to the source will we produce much fruit. Right, if I, if I plant an apple tree, which isn't going to happen because we're terrible at keeping plants alive, um, it's just awful, right? If it, if it happens to happen, that's the only way it's going to survive in our house, right? But if we plant an apple tree and it grows and I break a branch off, how many apples is that branch going to produce the next year? Who said it? That's what I'm talking about, Laura. Say it out there. Speak it out. None. Zero. But if the branch is abiding, connected to the tree, how many is it going to produce, Laura? A lot, maybe like 14, you know? Because when a branch is connected, it's receiving the nutrients and the, the, the nourishment and the source and the strength, everything it needs to then go and produce the fruit. And so Jesus is saying, when we're abiding to God, we're connected to him, and when we're united with him, it's not just that we have this relationship, we do, but we also then have the strength of God, the, the nourishment, what we need to go and produce the fruit of God. In Galatians 5, it says the fruit of the Spirit is, anybody know the first fruit that is produced by those that are connected to God? Love, hot dog. Right, so Jesus is saying when we are loving one another, it's because we must be abiding with the source of love, God, and we're receiving his strength, his nourishment, his provision to then go and give love. So he says we, we must abide in him. We must remain connected to him. 
No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God is abiding in us, and in this, his love is perfected in us. This word perfected, it doesn't, it doesn't mostly mean like, like without error. It mostly means completed, finished. God's love, like we said, is like the wave. It's not meant to go and then stop. It's meant to go and be received and go and be received and go and be received until the whole world knows. That's the perfect purpose of God's love. And when we then love one another, his love is perfected in us. It has reached its potential. It's reached its desired outcome. That we would receive the love of God and then give the love of God. This is how the world knows. Now, the great thing that Jesus promises us, right? It, if you all, you all know as well as I do, sometimes love is difficult. Sometimes people are beating, to put it nicely, to love. Sometimes, man, life has just worn you down. You're like, I got nothing else to give. How am I supposed to keep loving? Right, love can become this task, this chore. We're like, you just just taking and taking and taking and taking and taking. And, and that's where the promise of God is that when we abide in him, right, when we're remaining connected to him, when we're being filled by his love, it will continually pour into us so that we can overflow and give love out. We never run out of the ability to love if we are connected to God. If we're struggling to love or we find ourselves not loving we first don't need to look at, okay, what I need to change. We need to look at, okay, I need to, connect, I need to draw into God. I need to connect with him. My, my love tank is not being filled by, by God, not because God's removed it. I've probably removed myself from it. You know, it's, God's love is, is given to us. But if I remove myself, right, if I, if I walk away from God, then, then I'm gonna start running low, but God promises that he will fill us and continue to fill us so that we have everything we need to give his love back out. The world has not seen God, but if we love one another, then God is abiding in us. God who is love is dwelling in us, remaining in us, giving us what we need to then love one another. And this perfects God's design for love. If, if I'm God, I'm not. Like, not, I'm not God. But if I'm God and I have a plan to, to spread my love to the whole world, I'm probably not entrusting myself with that responsibility. And yet, God has entrusted you and me to be his ambassadors of love to the world. That, but get this, the person to your left, let's go ahead and take a quick glance. Don't worry, they're looking to the left as well, so no awkward eye contact. The person to your right, same thing, take a quick glance. Get this, God's design for us is that we will receive his incredible love and give it to the person to the left and to the person to the right so that they know God's love more because they see it through us. What kind of story of God's love are you telling? God's design 
is that Jesus came and he sent his love. And then when he ascended, he entrusted us as ambassadors, representatives, pictures, storytellers of his love to the world around us. No one has seen God, but if we are loving one another as God loves us, then they can experience God through us. What kind of story are we telling of who God is? If someone were to watch your life or just, you know, if we were like, hey, what kind of love does God have for you? Based off of how Stephen loves you. What, what kind of, how are they writing God's love out? What kind of love are they being like, this is God's love, right? This, this is God's love and I'm basing it off of how Mark loves me. Like that's what John is saying is that we have been given, entrusted with the responsibility of being the tangible hands and feet of God's love to one another around us, to the world around us. What kind of story are we telling of who God is? What kind of picture are we painting? That's our, that's our, that's our, that's our responsibility, it's our privilege our privilege and in case you're like well you know i'm really loving when i'm around people i just save all of my non-love stuff for when i'm you know i'm by myself i'm not harming anyone i'm by myself i'm not painting a poor picture because it's it's just it's just me uh, i'll give you two counters to that one it's never just you but the bible clearly says that god sees everything and we don't hide anything from god it's not like, oh, I'm just harming myself, or, you know, it's not harming anybody else, it's just me. Well, okay, Ephesians tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God in us, right? So if I'm a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God is in me, and I'm living in sin, that's grieving to the Spirit of God that is opposed to sin. So we are harming someone else. God, we're grieving his heart. But then, we're all mature enough to know that how you practice is how you play. Right? If, if I'm living one way by myself, it is going to trickle into how I live with others. If I'm just harming myself, there's not a chance that other people aren't going to be harmed as well. If I'm just, you know, being angry and bitter and resentful in my own heart, it will affect others around us. What kind of picture are we telling of who God is and his love to the world around us? Whether they're with us or whether we're by ourselves, it will play itself out. And we've been entrusted with that beautiful responsibility. This is how the world knows God. It's by our love for one another. Do they see God as petty and argumentative? Do they see God as selfish and always wanting to go first? Do they see God as envious? That's what kind of story are we telling? Now, if we look at this, this can feel like a buttload of responsibility. Right? This can feel crushing under the pressure of, okay, it's on me to pull this off. Right? If we, if we read this in order, we can look at this and go, okay, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, then God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Right? If we look in the order, right? Laura, I think I have a screenshot of that, that first um, 
Nope, sorry. Oh, that's a tool. Go ahead and leave that here. Um, totally forgot to mention this, right? Um, we're reading this, and I'm like, verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, and if you're reading the ESV, which is what the verses is, you're like, hey, the word but's not there. Um, so this is called a blue letter Bible mm, dot something, org. just search blue letter Bible, it'll pull it up. I typed in 1 John 4, right? This is just a way to study the Bible more, right? So I'm reading verse 12. This is the ESV. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. If I click on that word tools, I got all these tools. Interlinear, you can read the original Greek, right? If you want to geek out and get in the Greek and Hebrew, boom, right there for you. I clicked on Bibles. That just gives me multiple translations, right? So you can read different translations, the NLT, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, right? It just helps us give a fuller picture sometimes of how to read and translate and interpret the scriptures, right? And so this is just a way that, man, write that down. It's a resource that we can use to study the Bible more with the original languages, with multiple translations, with commentaries and cross-references, right? The resources are there for us. And so um, that, that I forgot to mention that. But the, the next one, right? If we read verse 12 in order, if we love one another, God abides in us and us in him. His love is perfected in us. And that's how the whole world sees God. That puts the burden on us, right? At, at the top. It puts the burden and the pressure on my loving of one another. And let's be honest, I know that I haven't done the best of job to many people. Like I've... I've jacked some people up. But the good news of God is that that's not where the burden rests. It doesn't start, God's abiding with us doesn't start with us. It starts with God for us. So if we go on to the next verse, by this we know that we abide in him. If we're just looking at that, by this we know that we abide in him. What would we assume the answer is? Our love for one another. But that's not what John says. By this, we know that we abide in him because he has given us of his spirit. We know that we abide in him because he has given us his spirit and has made us new. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says that for all of those who are in Christ, the old has passed away and new has come. We are a new creation that when we trust in Christ, something fundamentally changes in us, and that's that the Spirit of God comes and indwells us, lives in us, makes his home in us. The power and the strength that we need to love, it doesn't come from our own strength, it comes from the Spirit of love that comes and dwells in us. Right? It starts with the, the Spirit of God is our love for one another. Everywhere else in the world is gonna put the pressure on our shoulders. Everything else operates that way. You want a promotion at work? You better measure up, right? You wanna, you wanna pass your class? You better do well, right? You wanna not be isolated and alone? Don't be a jerk, right? Like everything kind of falls on, on our shoulders, but, but not our relationship with God. It doesn't depend on on us. It doesn't start with us, but rather it starts with God giving us his spirit. It's by his spirit that we know that we abide, that we know that we are his. The spirit is the uniting factor. I talked a few weeks back how abiding in God is both a moment and a process. 
Right, there's a moment in which we start to come into relationship, and there's a process in which we grow in that relationship. There's a moment where abiding begins, and then there's a process of abiding in which we can grow in that. And I talked about marriage, right? Like, I, I'm married to Stephanie, right? There was a moment, though, where we got married. We dated for six and a half years, way too long to date. If anybody's like, I'm, you know, no, get married, right? Like, we dated for, for too long, and and we were engaged, and we were, I mean, we holidayed together and all that stuff. Holiday, who says that? We holidayed together, you know. Um, but we weren't married. When did we become married? May 20th, 2006. Remember what time? You don't remember what time? Seven. Seven, Seven o'clock is when we got married. I remembered when you told me. So that's the moment that we got married. Not before even though I knew a lot about her and I loved her and she loved me and I bought a ring for her, she didn't buy a ring for me, right? We gotta change that pattern, right? Well, all the guys get engagement rings, you know? Anyways, we weren't married then. We were married in that moment, right? That became the moment where we covenanted with one another. Now, along that, since then, we've been married for, you remember? You don't remember? 16 years? 16 years. It's a lot of numbers, y'all. 16 years. There's many times in that 16 years where if you just looked at, at me, you'd be like, are you married? Because you're sure acting like you're single. You know, like you're over here trying to like, you know, get this attention and whatnot from someone else, but you're, you're, you would look at me and you'd be like, hey, you're not you're, you're married, and you, if you looked at us, and man, we're fighting or whatever, and you're like, that doesn't seem very close, like that doesn't seem very intimate, but nonetheless, even though I can act unmarried, I'm still married, right? I'm still, because I'm, there's a moment of marriage, and then there's a process of growing in that marriage, and I can do things that make that intimacy further, or I can do things that make that intimacy closer, I can abide in my wife and be closer to her and grow that intimacy, or I can disconnect and pull away and make that intimacy further. It doesn't change the moment of marriage. And so John is talking about how we abide in Jesus, right? We choose to remain close to him. We choose to know him. We, we put away things that will create disconnection. That's the process of abiding in him. The moment, though, began before that. And the moment is not dependent on me. The moment is dependent on God and what he has done for me. The moment of abiding in God is not dependent on me. The moment is dependent on God who loved me first and my receiving of his love. And that's what John is saying here. That we know we abide in him, not because we love one another not because we're measuring up or we're good enough or we got it right this time. We know that we abide in God because God has given us his spirit because he has connected us, our spirit with his spirit. We are sealed as his. Nothing will change that even if I act like an idiot. Even if I act like a fool. We've been given his spirit and that is how we love one another is by God's spirit for us working in us. So how do we get his spirit? 
He tells us in verse 14 and 15, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. The, the story of the Bible is that we're created to receive this love from God, to be in a loving relationship with him. That is our purpose the, the fulfillment of life is not in a relationship or a family or career success or money or, or, or charting out our course and living it fully. The purpose that we were created, the fullness of life is being in a loving relationship with God. That is the primary reason we were created. And we have all chosen to chase something else to go after our own ways of happiness and joy and satisfaction. The Bible calls that sin. All of us have done that. All of us have believed at some point that we know best and we don't need to trust and follow God. And that separates us from that relationship with God. But God who's rich in love sends Jesus. That's what John talks about. He loved us first. He sends Jesus to come and to fix what we broke. That's the simplest way that I describe what the gospel is. That I've been created for a relationship with God. I broke it. Jesus came to fix what I broke. And if I trust in him, in his life, death, and resurrection, he will supernaturally give me his spirit and unite me with God. The moment of abiding with him. It's not because I earned it. It's because Jesus earned it. It's not because I loved one another well enough. It's because Jesus loved one another well enough. And he's offered me that invitation. And when I confess and believe the full truth of Jesus, when I surrender my ways to him, everything changes. When I trust him, he sends his spirit, God abides in me, gives me what I need to love one another, and as I continually love one another, I remain in God's will, and my relationship with God increases. It's just like that marriage. As I have the moment of marriage, as I put in the right aspects of marriage, that marriage can grow, but if I remove myself, right, that marriage can get cold and distant. When I trust in the full truth of Jesus, when I receive what he has already done, Jesus sends his spirit to come dwell in me. And that is how I know that I am abiding in God and God is abiding in me. In me. I'm forever his. And now as I walk in his commands and I stay close to him, then I continually abide in him and my relationship grows and the whole world sees the love that God has for them. And that is the perfect plan of God's love. He has given it to you and me and Jesus that we would receive it and then by him in us, give it back out so that the world can see and know God. That's our purpose. That's God's desire for us. That's where the fullness of life is found. John says we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Do, do you know and believe that? 
not just cognitively, but have you received the love that God has for you in Jesus? Have you received his love by Jesus, by the gospel? We've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And whoever abides in him, the love of God then moves out to love one another. And love then meets its perfect purpose. Love given in Jesus, received by us, and given back out to the world around us. That's how the world comes to taste and see and know God for themselves. First question, have you received that love? Second question, if so, are you loving one another? Are you telling the story of God's love through your love to those around you? Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.